Hi, my name is Pete. This is Social Distance, uh, episode 227. Thank you ever so much for listening. And thank you to the listeners who have gone back to 225. Noel's uh, fantastic report from uh, New York. And Noel has put up a transcription, a transcription, a transcript of uh, the text. He's published the text on um, his Instagram account, Facebook as well. Um, So that's really good as well. So if you follow me, uh, social distancer, then you can, I've kind of linked to that, if you like. If you like, on Instagram. And um, so it's really interesting to read that work. And, um, you know, if you are here because you heard 225, well, Noah's not here (laughs) this week. But there are some things that you might find interesting. The G7 has happened, yeah, in Cornwall, just down the road, which is quite interesting. So I'm going to look at that a little bit. I'm also going to look at the variant, the fucking Delta variant, uh, quite a lot, um, because that has kind of really scuppered things in the UK. And I'll talk about it, but, you know, there's reasons to be cheerful, but also reasons to be quite cautious. And then after Sigur Ross in Paranormal Blip, we have got an outstanding uh, little snippet from an interview that uh, Lou Elizondo did earlier this week with a guy called James from Engaging the Phenomenon. And I have linked the entire interview in the episode notes for this episode. It's definitely worth watching. It's quite a long interview. But James uh, has really done his homework and he's asked some fantastic questions that really stumped Lou Elizondo, who, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it in depth in, you know, after the bleep. But it's really after the bleep, after the cigaros. Uh, but it's really very, very interesting um, interview. And the bit I've selected to play in Paranormal Blip is basically like if we get our heads around what he's saying, it's kind of extraordinary and deeply profound and life-changing in every single way so there you go if you don't stick around for that (laughs) uh yeah it's pretty good isn't it yeah but first of all though we are going to celebrate the football because you know england England won their first game in the euros one nil against croatia and gary lineker was very interested in the opinion of Alan Overall. Right, he's going the hero of the hour, but um, Alan Overall, it was a very um, solid, impressive performance from England. Yeah, there was um, plenty of positives to take from that. Have you ever seen the sunshine? No, not pork. Sunshine. I didn't say pork. I know you've seen pork. Is that sunshine? So the G7 have been meeting in Cornwall uh, the last couple of days and they've just uh, released their communique at the end of their um, two-day meeting. Is it two days? Three days? Something like that. I think three days. Um, The headline is that they are going to give one billion doses of COVID vaccines to poorer countries and they pledge to raise a hundred billion dollars to help the developing world cut its carbon emissions and they'll try and get 40 million more girls into school around the world. 
that's the BBC's um, language, try and get. Um, so that's all very good. But that um, striking one billion vaccines, when you look into it, it's actually way short of what uh, campaigners are asking for. And here is Gordon Brown appearing on one of the Sunday programs. I don't know whether I don't know what is going on with Sky, because Sophie. Uh, hopefully, Sophie Ridge is just on holiday. Because Trevor Phillips um, is now hosting the Sunday morning Sky politics show. And he's nowhere near as good as Sophie Ridge. But anyway, there's not much... Tre- well, there's no Trevor Felix. 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 <laughs> Phillips speaking here. It's all clunking fists brown. It's up to the chairman, and that's Boris Johnson, to lead. Uh, the others would respond. But I think this summit will go down as a a missed opportunity, Uh, a missed opportunity when we needed 11 billion vaccines. We've only got offered a plan for one billion. We needed 50 billion dollars allocated to the vaccination of the world and only five billion dollars. And I think this summit, I'm afraid, will also go down as an unforgivable moral failure when the richest countries are sitting around the table with the power to do something about it. Uh, now that we've discovered the vaccine, we have not set out the comprehensive plan that will deliver vaccination by the middle of next year. Uh, Boris Johnson said on Sunday that this would be the greatest feat in medical history. He said it was the great challenge of post-war history. Well, I'm afraid there will be smiles, but there are not solutions. Millions of people will go unvaccinated and thousands of people, I'm afraid, will die. So it looks as if Sausage Johnson is going to announce that SEP4 is going to be delayed by four weeks. The reason is uh, the Delta variant. The Delta variant on its own, without any mitigations put in place, has got an R value of eight, which means that uh, if one person has got it, then they can infect eight others, which obviously is (laughs) not great. Um, and, and cases are going up, even with all of the people that are vaccinated so far. And I'll talk about vaccination in a minute. But cases are going up. They're up 50% from last week. Yeah? In the last seven days, there have been 50,000 cases. That is not good. And it will rise. It will continue to rise. And people are now saying that the uh, third wave will really hit in August. And because the southwest is beautiful, and we're very lucky to live in Devon and all the rest of it, but those bloody tourists are going to bring it here. So what we know is that the cases are going to go up. So far, hospital admissions, they have risen, but they've only risen by a little bit. And hospital occupation um, uh, is basically, you know, kind of stable. It's basically flat. It may, it may have risen a tiny bit, but it's basically flat. So what that means is that the vaccines are having an effect. Having said that, there are going to be people with this variant around. There are going to be people that are going to catch it, who have had uh, two vaccines. They're going to go to a hospital and some of them are going to die. Um, data was released the other day out of 33,064 um people had died and uh, out of those 12 people have been vaccinated twice 
So if you do the maths, that's, you know, you've got a one in 3,000 chance or just under one in three, sorry, over one in 3,000 chance. If you get uh, COVID-19 and you've been vaccinated twice of dying, but obviously it doesn't work like that because these people are, you know, probably very, very frail and, you know, they may be basically at the end of their life and, you know, they will have been prioritised to be double vaccinated. And so if they get COVID, you know, they're not for, they're not kind of strong enough to uh, fight it off. The idea, at least, and the data so far, at least, is that if you've been vaccinated twice you and you catch it, and of course being vaccinated means that you've got protection against catching it in the first place, but if you do catch it, then you'll get one or two symptoms, but it shouldn't put you in hospital. But of course you never know, you know, you never know. And so that brings me down to my own life and the decisions that I'm making in terms of you know, wearing a mask at work where I don't socialise and I come and come across um, like a whole bunch of people, like, you know, loads of people every day. And the job that I do means that I can't socialise from the people I'm working with. I can't socialise. I can't social distance from the people I'm working with. And, uh, you know, so I wear a mask and I wear a good mask. And I know that, you know, obviously I know I've been vaccinated twice, but it's part of me waiting for more data. And I think it's kind of fair enough to be put in that, you know, to kind of make sure that I'm okay. If I wasn't, like, if I was social distancing, if I was working from home, obviously I wouldn't have a bloody mask on my face, you know what I mean? So it's all about, you know, kind of working out what the best thing is in your own uh, situation. And being cautious, you know, because this is going to take lots and lots of lives. There's a very loud motorbike uh, going past, the bastard. This is going to take lots of lives, you know, this, this third wave in the United Kingdom, especially if you've had one dose. If you've had one dose, it's really not much of a protection. You've got 33% apparently and 80% on two doses. So, you know, within that, there's lots and lots of death, unfortunately, it's going to bloody come, you know. And also, although it has disrupted the relationship between cases, hospitalizations and um, and deaths, the vaccines, it hasn't totally solved the problem. And it still is on us to be just as, um, well, you know, obviously not just as cautious, because of course you do need to recalibrate yourself based on the fact that you have got two, you know, doses in your body or one dose in your body or whatever else, you know. But you know, when it's crowded, when there's no ventilation, you know the score, that's the time to wear a mask, you know. If you're doing the kind of job where you don't social distance, or you can't social distance, then that's the time to wear a mask, you know. If you're inside, make sure you have the windows open. All of these basic things, unfortunately, it is not going to change. Now, the good thing about the British summer at the moment is that we are having a bit of a summer, and today's a scorcher, yesterday was a scorcher, and tomorrow is a scorcher. And so hopefully this scorcher weather will mean that more people are outside, more people are opening their windows and delaying the um, easing. I mean, I don't even know what the next step is. You know, what is it like big uh, football matches or I don't know what the hell it is. But most of society is open now, as far as I can tell, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, delaying step four 
um, what we really need to do is get as many doses of the vaccine into people as possible because although 55% of, of um, adults have had the uh, the second vaccine, 56.6% of adults in the UK have had the second vaccine, which is incredible. If you take into consideration children, 55% of all people in the UK uh, aren't fully protected, yeah? So if you, uh, and of course you do need to, you know, the government kind of takes out the people they're not vaccinating at the moment, which is anybody under 18, yeah, in their figures. And you could argue, well, that kind of makes sense, you know, because this is the target you you want to target to kind of be 100% people vaccinated. So you only include the people that you're vaccinating. That kind of makes sense, yeah? But if you include everyone that can get COVID-19, obviously children can get and transmit COVID-19, and generally their symptoms are not as bad as adults, um, but they are transmitters of COVID-19. You know, we know this. So they are not vaccinated. They are not protected from it. And uh, the areas of the highest case rate is in secondary school children and the parents of secondary school children. You know, that um, whatever it is, like 12 to 18 bracket or 13 to 18 bracket and the 35 to uh 49 bracket. They're the brackets that are, uh, are the highest. And it's no coincidence, of course, that you know, that's happening whilst the advice from Boris Johnson is that children shouldn't be wearing masks in secondary schools. I think that children should be wearing masks in secondary schools. And I think if that happened, the cases in secondary schools obviously would drop, you know. So it baffles me why I mean, who knows? It's probably because there's a bunch of old fucking Tory voters somewhere complaining about it. But anyway, so this, uh, you know, we, we will have to just kind of take it slow and steady. And I'm really kind of, you know, looking forward to seeing all my friends in the summer and hopefully that will happen. But we need do need to work out. Well, actually, we don't really want anybody staying with us, although normally we will throw open the doors and, of course, you know, invite people to stay with us. But this year is going to be different. And this year you do need to really think through all of the trips that you're going to take, all of the, um, you know, the way that you get to places and how you're staying when you get there. Now, hopefully, you know, when you get there, you're going to meet up with your friends. You're going to be outside. You know, the beach poses no risk. Dartmoor poses no risk. The, no, the local park, if you're sensible, poses no risk. Don't let any bastard breathe on you is the main thing. And it is good that they're, um, you know, uh, delaying this step four, partly because, not that step four is like, you know, I mean, the thing's going to go up. It's just that we're not doing more opening. Do you know what I mean? So, of course, it's still going to go up, but partly because it's a bit of a, hopefully it will be a bit of a shock to the system, to people that are kind of thinking of it, it's over now. Do you know what I mean? They're seeing their mates, they're just getting on with their lives, they're drinking in the pubs. Everything is just kind of normal for a lot of people. And certainly anecdotally, it kind of feels like that, you know. People have this sense that they are, um, you know, kind of invincible if they get the vaccine. But it's really interesting when you speak to people, like I was saying the other week, you know, you tell them you're two and a half times more likely to end up in hospital with this uh, 
variant, the Delta variant, than the Kent variant, you know, that does kind of pause people, you know. Um, So, yeah, vaccine, very, very important, but it isn't the silver bullet, unfortunately. And it may be that alongside a vaccine for children, which I don't think is necessarily a kind of straightforward thing for lots and lots of people, because it is essentially a kind of thing for others, you know. The children themselves, it could very well easily be argued, and it will be argued by millions of parents and millions of children, you know, it doesn't really matter if they get COVID-19, but it adds to the general uh, safety of um, of the community at large, you know. Um, but also then after the children or at some point, probably in September, we are going to get a booster and hopefully that booster will be tweaked to somehow mitigate against the Delta variant in particular. Until then, we are going to see a rise of cases. And now we're just looking now for the relationship between cases and hospitalizations. And, you know, I know that there are um, far more robust people than me listening to this, probably all of you motherfuckers. But, you know, so maybe I'm just speaking for myself to a certain regard. But until I'm, you know, I'm never going to be pretty sure that the vaccine is uh, a, like 100% effective because we know it's not 100% effective, you know. So every day then is a decision about, you know, when do I wear a mask and like how do I kind of go through life? And I'm quite happy with that. Because I'm out in the world, I'm back at work, I'm doing what I want. I spent one day at the beach this weekend and the next day on Dartmoor this weekend. You know, I didn't really see anyone. I'm fine with the people that I talk to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not really interested in talking to people, like, basically. This is how I talk to people, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Op, 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 op Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Op, 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 op Gangnam Style Fjern Heren Fjern Horen Teer Gandas Gintair Noor Shabhalin Gera Disken Kand Dust Vankatur episode 227 thanks for listening have a great weekend if it is the weekend next weekend will be the first weekend that you can align the weekend with me saying that this time um but nevertheless we're going to think of the fox now the fox the fox revered throughout the world the fox f-o-x one two three walk between the raindrops mask up get your vaccine if you can social distance if you can and take care of yourselves we're not out of the wood yet at all out of the wood yet. Uh, But we are, um, you know, getting there.
Now, after uh, this, we've got Paranormal Blip, uh, Shadow Biosphere, Lou Elizondo, Humankind with an S. Wow, what does it all mean? I'll keep this in my bloody tell ya. Until then, see you later. That music can only mean this is Paranormal Blip. And earlier this week, Lou Elizondo did a fantastic interview with a guy called James Landoli from um, Engaging the Phenomenon. And I have linked into the show notes the entire uh, interview, which is two hours long. Uh, it's worth it. It's uh, There's a podcast version as well that you can get linked from the YouTube video that I have linked. And um, James has really done his homework. He asked these outstanding questions. He got hold of the ATIP slides that uh, described what ATIP were doing when they were up and running. And of course, they are now like just rebranded as the um, the you know UAP task force, but the same dudes doing the same thing, but without Lou Elizondo. And it looks as if you know, no matter whether they say they have or not, no matter whether they say we didn't look into it after Operation Blue Book or whatever, it looks as if the U.S. government have been looking into this since 1947 at the earliest well at the latest i'd say after roswell and you know kind of seamless constant um observation and experimentation in this phenomena so and the atip slides are really interesting especially slide nine that james asks lou alessandro about and it's very interesting because lou alessandro clearly knows what he can and can't say in relation to security clearances and agreements he's made about, you know, keeping some information confidential. And this is really one of those uh, points in an, in an interview where he kind of couldn't say anything, which, you know, speaks to the significance of some of the things that uh, is in slide nine. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the bloody interview, obviously, but essentially... Uh, they were looking at some crazy stuff in the early days of ATIP. 
And uh, we know that, you know, the CIA have got a track record of looking at crazy stuff. Um, John Ronson has written about it. Like, it's all documented stuff. People have made films about it. You know, the man who stare at goats, the men who stare at goats, um, the LSE experiments, LSE, the London School of Economics. No, the LSD experiments in the 60s or 70s, was it? Yeah. And, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if the US government, having... Uh, you know, looked at, observed this phenomena for a couple of years, then started to think, okay, well, how can we get make it tasty? You know, let's try and get in contact with these motherfuckers. So, for instance, um, James Landoli talks to Lou Alessandro about uh, what's something called cognitive human interface. And James reads between the lines and says, all right, well, that's obviously some... Uh, experiment into trying to contact these non-human entities and uh, you know we know that human non-human communications happens every day between millions of people and millions of their pets you know so that's not anything surprising and Lou Alexander talks about that you know Um, but the question is what are those entities in this clip um Lou Alessandro proposes something which is, like, if we get our heads around it, it's kind of, you know, changes everything. You know, this is a this is a tremendously complex universe we live in. And as my friend Christopher Mellon said uh, so eloquently, you know, the Earth has been here for four and a half billion years. We've just been really looking for some sort of life outside of our planet for the last hundred years. Um, is it possible that intelligent life has found us first? And I think uh, I've, I've often used the analogy of standing on a sandy beach looking at the horizon. And in doing so, one wonders, what's it like over the horizon? And although as an as a individual, these, these paradigm moments don't happen all the time, as a species, they do. And, and we've seen it time and time again, whether it's the first time we crawled out of the, out of the cave and looked at the sun, or we invented fire for the first time and we can harness it, or we, we stood on a sandy beach and looked at the horizon and, and someone had the courage to say, I'm going to sail over that horizon. Despite everybody saying, no, you're going to fall off the earth and it's flat and, and there's sea monsters out there. And, and lo and behold, someone took a chance. And, and here we are as a species. We, we, we did it. And turns out there are sea monsters. There are things called great white sharks and, and blue whales and great squid, great squid of the Pacific. Um, but they're not really monsters. They're just part of nature. They're just part of our, of our, our reality, our, our, our current paradigm. And uh, they're, they're, they're normal. And so perhaps this topic is yet just another horizon that we're looking at. And we're on the precipice of sailing over the horizon for the first time. Um, I think it's, it's in our genetics to continue to search and strive to look for answers. Um, I don't think this topic is, is any different. And it may turn out that what we find over the horizon may be a reflection of us. Maybe, maybe we're, maybe we're not, not so unique after all. Maybe, maybe we're part of a, a much more beautiful cosmic neighborhood where, where life is, is, is abundant. Um, and, and then we have to redefine what it means to be human because maybe being human isn't quite so, so unique after all. Maybe what makes us unique is is something inside, not outside. And so maybe we have to redefine what it means to be a human being. And maybe there's there's more 
you know, we, we refer to ourselves as mankind, but, but could quite possibly be the case that it is mankind's that that there's a there's a whole new definition now of what we have to we have to ascribe as as being a sentient life form an intelligent sentient life life form um, that that may very well be the case. So it may be that we are not as unique as we think we are. It may be that life found a way uh, before the Homo sapiens. And uh, take that into consideration when I tell you about the shadow biosphere hypothesis, which is a hypothesis described thus. <laughs> All life on Earth shares the same ancestor, the most primitive form of life that arose in still unknown circumstances more than 3.5 billion years ago. At least this is what is commonly assumed astrobiologists have revisited this assumption and advanced the hypothesis of the existence of a shadow biosphere on Earth, a parallel tree of life whose instances being different at the molecular level to the kind of life we are used to will remain hidden from view. So people, scientists, astrobiologists, and the old philosophers are getting in there as well, uh, they do have a hypothesis about is there molecular life that we are not perceiving? Because it, there's a new tree of life, as that uh, you know description suggests. There's a new tree of life that is here on Earth, but we are limited by our senses. And if you go back on the things that I've been playing through the last couple of paranormal blips, and if you chase through the Lou Elizondo uh, interviews that I've been linking, you see a pattern of what he is saying, asking us to read between the lines. It is fine for him to give his opinion about this stuff, but it is not fine for him to confirm or deny or talk about um, ongoing work or previous work depending on what that previous work is. So he's dropping hints big time, basically. And it seems like he's talking about life here on Earth that is interesting. Bigelow, very famously, um, Robert Bigelow, who was asked, um, you know, do you believe in aliens? And he said, yeah, they're right under our nose. Um, Jack Vallée isn't talking about extraterrestrial life. He talks about interdimensional life. So life on this planet that are coming from other dimensions. So could it be that the shadow biosphere exists and not just on a molecular level, but there are beings, there are creatures, there is other intelligent life on this planet all around us potentially, but um, separated from us because we can't perceive them. If you think about that for a moment, I mean, it's, you know, quite a mind-blowing idea, but then start to think about psychics, then start to think about people that, um, and the CIA apparently were looking at this as well, um, can do remote viewing. Start to think about uh, people that have had, um, you know, abduction visitations, and then they have the ability to um, tell the future okay there's a very good documentary on amazon prime in the uk called witness of another world 
that involves the case of a man who, when he was a boy, I think was 14 years old, uh, had a, an extremely like unusual um, paranormal event happen whereby a kind of being um, came down in a, in a craft and touched his elbow and he had this incredibly strong uh, visceral reaction that his dead grandfather was with him and ever since that day he's been able to um, basically predict the future I mean it sounds extraordinary and I wouldn't like normally you know that that is kind of like right at the edge of my own sense of like kind of how sure I am about any of this stuff do you know what I mean but Jack Vallée is is in in that film and in that in that case and he was involved in that case like a long time ago 40 years ago when this kid was a when the guy was a kid now they've gone back to him 40 years later or 30 years later and you know he's just this guy who's like totally haunted and you can't get over this like thing that's you know all of his friends are taking the piss out of him all his fucking life you know um and Jack Vallée comes back you know old sexy old Vallée in the um you know 80s now he's like a sexy old man now he's still sexy but he's an old man and anyway that's a good thing isn't it yeah good film yeah um witness of another world that's called yeah Amazon Prime but the point is that if you know anything about this area you can trust Vallée you know, so there must be something in it if uh, he thinks there's something in it. Like anything, like, you know, any, you know, way of reading data, there's some uh, sources that you trust, and I trust Valet, and not for no, um, you know, kind of silly reason. The reasons are not silly. The reasons are that the man knows his business, and he's been looking into it for years and years and years. I mean, really, like, genuinely you know two generations now he's been kind of at the top of looking into this phenomena um so then if you think about this shadow uh, biosphere idea quite a lot of um th the phenomena falls into it yeah and it doesn't mean that there aren't beings from other planets coming along and lou alexander even says that it doesn't rule anything out and of course, Louis isn't talking about the shadow biosphere. He's not saying those words, but he's certainly hinting at, well, he says it, humankinds, you know. He's hinting at something like an other that is happening on this planet um, that is beyond our ability to perceive. Now, um, the idea that they're extraterrestrial, maybe they're not. Maybe they're ultra-terrestrial. Maybe they have been here for a long time. It may be, it could be argued, from their point of view, it is their planet. And we're the newbies in town, just been around for 100,000 years or so. We've just fucking started farming, like 60,000 years, for Christ's sake, you know? And we're like fucking the place up, you know? And interestingly, if you collect together all of the carbon in the um, world's atmosphere, there's a 5% discrepancy. It's this extraordinary mystery. A 5% discrepancy. You, like, work out all the coal burning, all the fossil fuels, all the, you know, farts from cows, all the methane, everything, 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 everything. Add it all up. Hold on a minute. In the atmosphere, there's 5% more. And people are uh, speculating 
well, maybe that's the shadow biosphere, dudes. You know, I mean, pretty good if it is only 5%. Do you know what I mean? Like, the rest, no wonder they're, like, like swarming our nuclear um, facilities. They must be, like, well pissed off. Um, another thing that's not connected to the shadow biosphere, but it's, it's kind of mind-blowing, and it's to do with um, life and the creation of life. All mammals have exactly the same uh, embryo until they're five weeks old. Okay, so all of the embryos look exactly the same, including the beginning of a tail, whether that mammal has a tail or not, you know, as it becomes a fetus and then a baby is a different matter. But at five weeks old, every mammal has exactly the same looking um, embryo. And one reason that was given to me, I found this out this week, it blew my mind, as you can imagine. And uh, one reason is apparently they're all non-specific cells that make up that the kind of they're basically like the kind of foundation blocks of all mammals but isn't that incredible so we're still waiting for the uap task force to release their report we're still expecting not much to happen but we have seen a real um uh clarity come over lou alessandro uh in the last couple of weeks or so i'd say i mean he's really said some extraordinary things in the last couple of weeks he was on the TV the other day is talking about how uh, it isn't Russian, um, you know, uh, operations, and it isn't operations, it isn't Russian vehicles, and it isn't Chinese vehicles. I mean, it's very easy to kind of dismiss the idea that these are uh, like, you know, kind of weapons from another country or, or a technology from another country because these have been going on for like 70 years, like recorded for at least 70 years, you know? There's no way that China or anywhere on the planet has had this technology like 70 years ago. I mean, you could argue like, oh yeah, well, you know, hypersonic. But there's a very interesting article I read this morning about this idea that they're hypersonic, um, like Chinese weapons. This word hypersonic, this article was saying, it's like uh, just, bunk man it's bunk it's a publicity campaign now obviously all the tabloids in the uk being racist rags that they are all jumped on this idea that they're hypersonic chinese weaponry you know do me a bloody favor the article i read which i can't remember who did it but i think it was vice i think it is vice actually yeah so you know not some bloody idiots like actual journalists the person was saying, well, I know about this, and this is not hypersonic at all. In fact, hypersonic is quite slow compared to intercontinental ballistic weapons, but the, uh, the, the features of these uh, craft that we're seeing doesn't fit hypersonic weapons at all. And they're only saying hypersonic because it just sounds really fast, you know? <laughs> but compared to other weapons that actually do exist, they're not particularly fast. Um, yeah, so that's quite interesting. So we're still waiting for that report. The uh, interest, uh, the, the one thing also that Lou said a couple of days ago, which is kind of incredible, he said that uh, the US government does have exotic material. So it does have, you know, cra well, he didn't go in, he just said yes to that question. Um, but it makes you, leaves you, down the line that they have crafts or at least parts of crafts and we do know that Jacques Vallée 
has got Meta Materials, Tom Delonge from Blink182, who started up the um, To The Stars Academy. They had uh, Meta Materials as well. And Meta Materials is the bismuth, magnesium, um, together uh, layers of bismuth and magnesium in like millimeters thick layers which are too sophisticated for humans to make. Metallurgists can't work out how it's made. It can't be reproduced in, in labs, right? So there's a real mystery as to where this stuff is from. It's not naturally occurring because like obviously the metals, you can find the metals and you can work out how to extract the metals, but you don't find, you know, magnesium, bismuth, magnesium, bismuth. And the idea is that they are, gravitational waveguides and if they are gravitational waveguides and you create can create your own little bubble of gravity um, within which your relationship to time is different from the relationship to time of the places that you're passing through um, then you know we've we've got something so there's enough concrete nuts and bolts evidence to suggest that something is up to certainly suggest that it isn't you know, China or Russia or North Korea or whatever. Um, but still, we await the UAP report. And while we wait, hopefully, Luella Zando will give us more to think about. Good night. Good night, if it is the night. Good night. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I say goodbye. See you later.